Good morning, Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And Germantown Campus, can we welcome our West Campus today? <laughs> For those of you that may be new here, we're a multi-site church, and so uh, we have weekend services in multiple locations. And uh, so we're meeting here in Germantown and Washington County, also at the Marcus Majestic uh, in the Brookfield, Pewaukee area there in Waukesha County and other campuses that are yet to come. And so it's great to see you here and to be a part of what God's doing. Uh, we're continuing our series called Launch. And I'd invite you today to take your Bible and turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. I'll get there in just a minute. We've been talking these last few weekends about uh, God has a plan for your life. And, and God is um, doing things in, in you and wants to do things through you. And, uh, and it's important that, first of all, you know where you're going in life. You, you, you can't get where you need to be if you don't know where you're going. And it's not intention, but direction that determines destination. So just the fact that you want to be someplace doesn't mean you're going to get there, right? So you want to go to Florida, but you're heading north on I-43 out of the city of Milwaukee. You're not going to Florida. You're going to wind up in Escanaba. You may want to be in Florida, but your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. We talked last week about how that even though you can have the greatest calling in the world, uh, if you don't stay powered up, if you don't stay connected, Jesus says if you don't abide in the vine in essence, if you're not staying tethered and connected to God through the word, through prayer, uh, through obeying uh, his commands, and also being yielded to the Holy Spirit, unless you're doing those things in your life, you can become very disconnected, very much disenfranchised very quickly, and all of a sudden become uh, kind of uh, just adrift from the mission and the plan that God has for your life. So it's important that you walk in those things and that you stay powered up. But today I want to talk to you about what happens when life throws you a curveball. What happens when storms happen? What happens when, when there's glitches in the plan? What happens when you thought that you were going one direction, all of a sudden you awaken and you're in another place? You, you thought things were going to happen one way, but the reality is, is that there's been some problems. And maybe there are things that you don't even ask for. Maybe there are things that you don't even, even do anything wrong. It may simply be that God told you to do something or you felt like that was the direction you were supposed to go, but yet why am I dealing with this conflict? Why am I dealing with this storm? That's really what I want to talk about today. and Because um, I think what happens is we have this distorted view of what it means to be followers of Jesus. If you ask most people, what does it mean in America to be a follower of Jesus Christ, they're going to tell you, well, you know, I get to go to heaven. That's a good thing, right? Nobody wants to go to hell. Um, amen? Nobody, right? People are really quiet. Like, okay, maybe West Campus. You, you can help me out. Okay, good. All right. Uh, but nobody wants to go to hell, so we get to go to heaven. That's great. Uh, Jesus will give me a, a better life. Uh, okay, I don't disagree with that. I, I think God is a good God, and he has good things planned for us. Uh, and, and you know what? I'll become a better person. Uh, I, I could agree with that. You know, being a follower of Jesus Christ will develop your character and develop things internally in your life that will develop how you deal with life and people, and the teachings of Jesus definitely make you a better person. But what happens a lot of times is we just think that that's all that it is, that it, that's all that it means to be a follower of Christ. And the reality is, is that there's more to it than that. The reality is to it is that's kind of the upside to it. And as we begin to look at how Jesus talks to the disciples, and that's really what we've been doing through this series, is we see more scriptural reference on how Jesus interacts with the disciples and gives them basically guidance and the ultimate life coach, in, in essence, 
for their three years, his three years here on the planet, to launch them into ministry, what does he say to them? Well, he does talk about life and life to the full. He does talk about that, that when, when he comes into your heart, that he changes you and it's a better person. He does talk about, you know, that, that there is a heaven to gain and, and a hell to shun. But he doesn't end there. And that's many times where we end. We just think if I, if I, if I, just, if I go to church enough times, if I give in the offering, and that's a good thing, if, I, uh, if I'm nice to people, that's a good thing. If, if I just pray the Bible or pray and just do a few things just, just right, almost like I've got this algebraic formula, what will happen is I'll never have any problems. I, I'll never have any issues. And that's not true. Uh, when people do that, that's not Christianity. That's called magic, right? You've entered into the wonderful world of Disney. Can you hear the music? Da, da, da. It's like fairy tales and princesses, you know. And, and uh, I have two daughters who, who love all the Disney princess stuff. And from time to time, they'll tell me things. And I'm just like, this is like fantasy. And I just go, whoa, stop just a second. Do, do you hear that? Da, 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 da. Do, do you hear the princess? Do you hear the, the singing? Uh, let's look at the window. Oh, there, there's a beautiful prince coming on a white steed. No, he's not there. This is not reality. And sometimes we think in our own lives that if I just do these things just in the right way, it'll all be great. And the reality is, is that to follow Jesus means not only the power of his resurrection, but also to follow him in the fellowship of his suffering. The Bible says God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. We love the giving part. I do. I don't know about you, man. I love it. I love everything about it. Oh, my hands are out, Lord. Bless me. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord, right? Oh, yes. But when he wants to take away, that's when my hands get a little tight. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to give up with this. I don't know if I want to do I don't. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, when he's speaking to the disciples and he's talking to them, he says to them, look, you're going to be arrested for my namesake. Because you're associated with me, you're going to be beaten. And your very lives will be at stake. He's speaking to these men, these 12 disciples, realizing that all of them but one will die basically a martyr's death, a horrific death. Judas will hang himself because of the guilt that he deals with for betraying Christ. Uh, John who is the Rev. John, who wrote the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, will die a natural death only because they could not kill him. He wouldn't be boiled alive in, in oil. They tried. So they exiled him to an island. Peter will be crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be crucified right side up because that's how Jesus was crucified. And he's speaking to these men who are trusting him with their lives. And he doesn't give them, hey, it's always going to be roses. Hey, it's always going to be perfect. Hey, it's always going to be great. No, he knows that it's going to take their very lives to follow him. That storms are going to come. That issues are going to come. That life's going to throw you a curveball. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because this side of eternity, the Bible says that we deal with this fallen nature called sin. We live in a fallen world that's digressing daily. And it's part of trying to walk this through. How do you deal with the storms of life? How do you deal with it? Mark's gospel, chapter number four. Jesus gives the disciples a life lesson that they'll never forget. If you look at it with me, in verse 35, the Bible says... That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. So it's Jesus' idea to do this. This wasn't the disciples' idea. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there were also some other boats with them. Verse 37, then a furious squall came upon them. 
and the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly was swamped. They nearly capsized. They're, they're drowning. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I love this. Just like, just out. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Like, seriously. Seriously, Lord. You told us to do this. We're out here. This must be fun for you. You're sleeping away, but we are about to die. Don't you even care? He gets up, verse 39. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The King James Version says it, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, it's almost like, Hey, guys, why did you wake me up? I was sleeping really, really well. And you wake me up, you know, I shaved my legs for this. You're waking me up for this? Really? Seriously? Look at verse 41. They were terrified. These are grown men. These are rugged men. These, these, these are men who, these were, many of them were fishermen. They knew how to deal with, with, with storms and with all of the seas. They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this, speaking of Jesus? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word. And I just pray in these next few moments that you would challenge our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every one of us what we need to hear. God, you know where we are as individuals. You know the storms that we're facing. And I just pray that you would make your word applicable today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a problem? Like, have you ever had a problem like that where you thought you were dying? Like, these disciples thought they were dying. Have you ever had a problem where you just thought, man, you, you're, you're going under. It was it. This is the big one, Elizabeth, right? To do a Red Fox moment. Any Red Fox people? All right, holla. Lamont, you dummy. You know what I'm talking about? This is a big one, Elizabeth. This is, this is this. I'm going down on this one. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something about myself. This is a little self-disclosure day. I'm going to talk about me because I talk about you. You'll get mad and email me, and I don't have time for that. So let's just talk about me. I'm a pretty, like, I have a pretty strong constitution. I'm a pretty driven, focused person. And I, if I, I was a kid, I had allergies. I had asthma. I couldn't play soccer in the springtime because I would literally, I had bronchial asthma that would literally wheeze to the point I could not breathe. So I had the whole, the whole epidural, uh, EpiPen, the whole thing right there and all of that. Uh, had to have that one time. Um, I, I had went to the allergy clinic twice a week for shots. Uh, because my allergies were so bad um, and all of that. I, I have broken, uh, I don't know how many bones in my arms and my hands from BMX bikes and crashes and my brother and I fighting. My mother would say that my brother and I would get up from the moment we got up to the time we went to bed and it was constantly pounding, hitting, crying, uh, black eyes, broken arms. I mean, we, we were pretty violent, locking each other in, ca in, in lockers that we didn't have keys to, crazy stuff. And I, so I'm pretty much, you know, whatever, not, not a big deal that way. Uh, I, headaches and, and head colds and allergies, and I don't like it, but I deal with it. You know, I can just get through it. The biggest thing for me now is as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a speaker, that I have to make sure that my voice can last, and so especially during those seasons and all of that. I'm pretty much, and if you come to work and you're whining about a headache or a head cold, or I'll tell you, go to Lowe's, get a ladder and get over it. I really don't care, right? Here's a quarter, call somebody who cares. But here's the thing that, like, I have uber compassion on. If you're nauseous, if you are sick to your stomach, you can have a week off at Life Church if you work at Life Church. All you got to do is just tell me, I'm not feeling well. You know what? You go home, 
You lay down. Do you need anything? I'll take you home. We'll have somebody that will drive you to your house. We'll go by Walgreens. We'll get whatever you need, and we'll, we'll be there. And we have, we'll have whatever you, I mean, because I don't deal well with being sick in my stomach. I mean, I can deal with all, it's about everything, but being nauseous, I mean, I, 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 I don't deal well with it at all. I, I, am, I will literally pass out before I throw up. You ask my wife. There have been times where all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, boom, this big 250-pound, six-foot frame will hit the ground. I will be out like Mike Tyson in a, in a knockout on HBO, and I will be laying there cold. And Aaron, Aaron, what's wrong? What, what? I was sick. <laughs> I didn't make it to the bathroom. <laughs> That's a big one, Elizabeth. I'm going down. I'm telling you, I am like drama queen, all caps, when it comes to being sick to my stomach. I literally travel with prescription medicine that, if I feel nauseous, will knock me out for eight hours straight, no question. I kid you not. It doesn't matter if, where I am. It doesn't matter if I'm going for an overnight up north. That medicine goes with me. Because if I get sick, I got a bad hot dog or something, bad s'mores, heaven forbid. Because I do not like to throw up. I just let this cup pass from me. I, I just don't. And my wife, she's the opposite. Just throw it up. Get over with it. No. Mm. Get thee behind me, Satan. So anyhow, um, so I, I'm like this, all right? You need to know this about me. I'm, I'm like this. I'm really like this. And I was on an international trip. I was 28 years of age. I was an executive pastor at a large church in, in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And I was sent along with my senior pastor to basically assist my senior pastor as he was going to be speaking at this large church of, I don't know, 15,000 or so people in Manila. Uh, we were going to be going to, uh, so he was doing a pastor's conference, and all this was going on. And my job was basically to assist him, to be there to help him, right? So I'm going along. When I, here's, a pro, here's the thing about me, too, you need to understand. I don't have any problem eating. I've never had a problem eating. There's two things I don't like to eat raw. And that is cottage cheese. Oh, my goodness. The consistency. How do you swallow that? And, and guacamole. If you put it in something, I can handle it. But those two things by themselves, I just... Second grade, Miss Riley's class, I got sent to the principal's office because she had guacamole, avocados, and she was, she was opening them, and she was giving everybody a slice, and I refused to take it because it was green and slimy. I just didn't like it. And she said, there are kids dying in the world. And I said, you can send it to them. My piece. I'm just, it's the only two things I don't like, and I'll eat it with something else in it. So if you slip it in there, go, oh, you're eating cottage cheese. I don't mind that. Just don't serve it to me raw. So anyhow, um, so I'm in Manila, and I am eating everything. Everything. This is awesome. This is great. This is incredible. And if you've been to the Philippines, you've been to Manila, it's hot. Like Miami hot in the summertime, you sweat through everything. Uh, a lot of the places we were in didn't have air conditioning. Traffic is horrific. Uh, you know, it's like six cars each direction and every way you're looking up. And, and so I'm going along, no big deal, everything's good. We're there, pastor preached Sunday morning. We had lunch that day. I ate like a king, no problems. I'm not thinking about anything. Sunday night comes, we're sitting on the platform. That's what you did. There was a big choir platform. The room is not air conditioned, which they were used to, but I was not. My body puts off a lot of BTUs. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, mmm. Mmm, something ain't right. Mmm. My, my stomach starts kicking like a five-legged ninja, and I knew something was not right. So I am sitting behind the pastor, and I just said to him, I said, hey, pastor, I'm going to slip out. I'm, I'm not feeling well. I'll be all right. You just keep praying. I'm praying for you and everything. I go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I ask you in the name of Jesus. I start speaking in tongues. I start binding every demon. I'm like, I cannot be sick right now. Because I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you people, it, my world stops. Just 
I wouldn't, just, just take me on to be with Jesus. Lord, let the trumpet of the Lord sound and time be no more. Part the eastern sky. I'm ready to go home, Lord. I do not want to be sick here. No air conditioning. You know when you get sick too, you don't want to be hot, right? You need to be in a cold, oh, it was bad. I'm sweating through all that. I'm sick. I'm making it through a good soldier. I'm supposed to be there for the pastor, right? So we get back, get to the hotel room. I said, I'm just going to lay down. And I just, I was so exhausted. I just knocked out. I'm cold. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. I wake up. It's hit me again. Jesus. And it was bad prawns. I had had bad seafood. Food poisoning. And there ain't nothing you can do with that. You just got to ride that one. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I don't, no pun intended. I'm just saying this is, is what it is. And so I'm sitting there. And here's what you need to know about me. When I get sick to my stomach, there are three things I need. I need seven upper Sprite. I'm no respecter of persons. Just seven upper Sprite doesn't matter to me. I need saltine crackers, soda crackers. It settles your stomach because I don't want to get where I, because I won't eat and I'll start dry heaving. And that's even worse than being sick to your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? People, some of you are like going, we have to eat lunch after this. Enjoy. <laughs> All right? So, so anyhow, and then I need a cold, wet washcloth. Put it on my forehead and put it right here. Because if you put it here in your throat, you won't throw up. Did you know that? Seriously, I'm serious. I'm an expert at this, folks. I'm telling you. I'll tell you how to keep it down. And go out the other way, but it ain't coming out this way, you know? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm a grown man, 28 years old. The senior pastor, we're sharing a room, and I went, Pastor, Pat, Pastor, my pitiful voice. Oh, Lord Jesus. Pastor, 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 wake up. What, what, what? Pastor, could you, I, I need to get his attention. I, uh, uh, could you get me a wet washcloth? Make sure it's real cold. Please, thank you. Mm. Now, I'm just telling you, if Ryan Coggins, our executive pastor, was me, I would say, Ryan, you get yourself up out of the bed and do it yourself. I'm going to sleep. He, Pastor Goldsmith was so nice. He went and got me a wet washcloth. Of course, I'm like, could you put it right here? Right. Aaron, you're going to take it from here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. I thought I was dying, like dying. Get up at 4 o'clock. We have to take a flight. We have to leave and go. And, and so I get up the next morning, and I'm just thinking, you know what? He said, are you all right? I said, if I can just get a 7-Up or a Sprite and some soda crackers, I'll be fine. Here's what I found out. Just let me let you know if you're an international traveler. They got 7-Up and Sprite all day long. But in Manila, they do not know what saltine crackers are. That's all I have. You understand what I'm saying? My mother raised me this way. You have to have a cold, wet wash rag, 7-Up, and saltines. I, I'm like, there's no, no saltines. What? You give me little crackers, little salt. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just like trying to explain, trying to get this. They have no saltine crackers. I'm like, Lord Jesus, this is, this is bad. I mean, I'm sick. Now I don't have anything to get over. I'm going to have dry heaves. Of course, I'm getting panicky this time. I'm having anxiety attacks, need some Xanax, something to lay me out. And I'm just, I'm serious. I'm like really in overdrive because I'm telling you, I get real animated about being nauseous. Am I lying? Am I, tell me am I lying? Okay. She's like, no, I'm telling you, I'm bad. And, and so I'm there. And, and, to, and so to this day, if I travel internationally, I will bring a sleeve of saltine crackers with me in my suitcase, just in case that country's never heard of saltines. I'm going to introduce them to them, because if I get sick, that's all I can have. And I remember having to get on the airplane and do all this stuff and be like, oh, oh, this is bad. I'm, I'm telling you, it's so bad, so memorable that today, just so you remember this story, I've got saltine crackers for every single one of you as you leave today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. We bought them, thousands of them. 
If you want extra packet, we'll give it to you. Even at the West Campus, we got them for you. And so, because here's what I, here's, here was the deal. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. I, I can't click my heels and go home. I can't get out of this problem, out of this situation. And I felt like I was dying. I was in the bed for the next 24 hours, dying, sick, everything else. I don't have saltine crackers. I, I don't have anybody with a wet washcloth except for Pastor Goldsmith, who got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and did that for me. I, I, I'm there. And this is kind of where the disciples find themselves. And that's where I, I, want, I want to talk about this, from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. It's the lessons from the lake. He, Jesus speaks to them. Jesus teaches them. Jesus gives them probably the most greatest lesson he could about the storms of life. And the Bible says, and Jesus told them, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake, knowing that there was going to be a storm there, knowing there were going to be problems there. And the first lesson that he teaches them is that his direction is not without storms. That Jesus' direction in life is not without storms. That there are times in life where Jesus will send you to the middle of the storm. There are times in life where he knows that there's going to be a storm. He knows there's going to be a problem. He knows there's going to be a situation, but he sends you anywhere. We think that sometimes that God will help us avoid all the storms in life, and that's not true. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And there are times in life where life isn't fair. And there are times where, where storms happen that you don't cause. And there are times where you are following the perfect will and plan of God and you are so in touch with Jesus, but you go head first into a storm that you think is literally going to take you under. And Jesus is the one that sent you there. And that's comforting to know sometimes. Because just because you're experiencing a storm doesn't mean that you're not in the will of God. Just because you're experiencing a storm doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. Just because you're going through a, a bad time or because you're dealing with a problem doesn't mean it's even your fault. The disciples were simply doing what Jesus said. The second thing we see there is that storms come into everyone's life. That storms will come into everybody's life. Everyone deals with storms. Nobody is exempt from storms. You're not exempt. I'm not exempt. There's not some magical incantation that I can pray. There, 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 there's not some sequence of events that I can do to avoid storms. There, 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 there's not some degree or calling that I get out of the storms of life. You deal with them, I deal with them. You have problems, I have problems. We all deal with storms, every single one of us. And if life has been great for you right now, hang on, because you know there's probably a storm around the corner. And if you're in a storm, hang on. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Everybody deals with them. All 12 of the disciples were in the boat. So was Jesus. They come into everybody's lives. And again, I know, you, I know you go, well, duh, I get that. But seriously, I think we as Christians sometimes think that we are exempt from this. That if we love Christ and he's in us, that we can just, it's like the good shift lollipop. It's just like everything's going to be good. It's a bed of roses. And that's not biblical. And Jesus is teaching the disciples, look, guys, there are times, because he's preparing them for what's ahead, there are times where I'm going to give you directives that are going to send you into a storm. Not to destroy you, but to teach you. Not to harm you, but to help you. And you're not going to be alone. You're not, you're not the only person experiencing this. We're all here together. Even me. But I want you to catch this. Storms don't always stop just because Jesus is there. Storms don't Always stop just because Jesus is there. I think sometimes we think, well, if Jesus is in the boat, man, it's going to be good. Smooth sailing. No. 
He was in the boat. He is asleep in the stern of the boat. Sound. I mean, like deep, like the, you know, deep rim sleep. He is out. And he's sitting there. And these disciples are battling all of this stuff. And they're thinking in their minds, we must be saved because we're with Jesus. But the reality is, is that he's not a bridge over troubled waters. He will walk with you through troubled waters. Which means there are times you're going to get sick. There are times that the winds and the waves of life are going to blow. There are moments where you're going to feel like you're going to drown. And instead of him stopping it, he just gives you a saltine cracker and gives you a 7-Up and, for me, a wet washcloth and just says, hang on, my grace is sufficient. See, we want him to stop everything. Wouldn't that be nice? But he doesn't always stop everything. Why? I don't know. Ask him. I'm not God. I have the same question you do. What I do know is that the Bible says that even in the hardships and even in the troubles and even in those, in the, in those ways... That, that, that he's developing our character, that he's developing our perseverance, that he is developing in us what he wants us to do. He's developing in us what he wants us to be and to become. And that a calm sea never made a skillful sailor. And I've always heard this passage preached that you're in the middle of the boat and just let Jesus come out. Uh, and when he comes out, they always do it like that. Uh, and when Jesus comes out, uh, he'll speak to the winds. He'll speak to the waves. My God, somebody call me a taxi. And he'll say, peace, be still, and it will be calm. I wish it weren't like that. And eventually it will. But they don't talk about Jesus being asleep in the boat. Are there times when you cry out to God and you feel like God's asleep? Come on, let's just be honest. We're in church. Don't lie. Don't point. We got two honest people up here in front of Germantown. Everybody else is lying. All right. Now we got three. I'm just saying the reality is, is we all feel like that from time to time. Or God, I'm crying out to you. God, I'm drowning. God, you, don't you understand I'm drowning in debt? God, I'm drowning in this marriage that's, going, that's falling apart. Lord, I'm drowning in this situation. Lord, I'm drowning at work. God, I'm drowning. Lord, I'm, I'm in depression. God, I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety that feels like it's overtaking me. God, I'm dealing with these situations. I'm dealing with things that I'm not prepared for. Oh, God, where are you? Does that sound like you? It sounds like me. You don't sleep. You don't eat. Well, I eat, but I still don't sleep. <laughs> you understand? And Jesus is there, but nothing changes. Or so it feels. Some of you, that's where you are today. And I want you to know that Jesus hears your cries in the storm. He does hear you. He may not respond the way you want him to, but he hears your cries in the storm. He's heard your cries in the middle of the night. He's heard your cries on the way to work. He's heard your cries as you gripped the steering wheel before you had to walk into your house knowing what you were facing. He's heard your cries as you've sat over your kitchen table crying and asking God for help on your bills. He's heard your cries as you've said, oh God, why am I alone? I don't want to be alone. I want to be married, but it seems like, where are you? Just because he's there doesn't mean the storms stop. But he does hear your cries. We know this because he heard the cries of the disciples. That's what woke him up. And I'm not saying that God is asleep, but I am saying it does feel like it. 
that you feel like you're drowning and about to capsize in the storm of life. A storm you didn't ask for. A storm you were simply doing what he told you to do. And things were unfair. And all you feel like you can do is just take some saltines and a 7-Up and just hang on for the ride. Doesn't feel real spiritual. Not real comfortable. But it's the truth. And eventually, at some point, Jesus will stop the storm. He will eventually stop the storm. He will eventually wake from the per, per, uh, your perceived slumber that he's in, and he will speak, peace, be still, quiet, be still. But it may not always stop the way you think it's going to. See, some of you are sitting here thinking, okay, you just said earlier that the disciples died because of their faith in Christ. You do realize that every 24-hour period in this world, there are people that are being killed, murdered, martyred, simply because they're a follower of Jesus Christ. I get emails on a somewhat regular basis, it's disturbing, that are, that are sensitive, country-sensitive, where we've had pastors many of which who are indigenous pastors to that country and that region, especially within the Middle East and, and different parts of, uh, of Muslim uh, overtaken countries in uh, Africa, especially in northern Africa, where they've gone in and they've killed the pastor and they've killed his wife and they've raped and killed his kids and they wait to kill him last, telling him that if any point he'll denounce Christ, they will stop. Why doesn't God do something about that? And you just said, Aaron, that they died. And why doesn't Jesus? He knew that they were going to die. Why does he? Because here's what you need to understand. I don't get all of this. But we, hum humanity, we look at death from a very morbid perspective. We look at death as the end. And Jesus says that, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? See, Jesus Christ came and gave his life so that he would take the keys of death, hell, and the grave and overcome them. That's why he came back. He died and rose again. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And because he lives in us, we defeat that as well. And so death is not the finality of a life. Death is simply the promotion, or the, and I'm not saying this in a nice way. I'm being honest with you, biblically speaking, completely theologically speaking, I'm 110% correct. It, it, it's the passage, it's the promotion to true life, which is in eternity. We look at life as a beginning and end. That's the reason why Paul says, we who, uh, we who are here who lose loved ones, we mourn differently than those without a hope. Why? Because we know that the end of this world is the beginning of the presence of God. We know that in the life of a Christ follower that even death is victorious. Why? Because the grave it can't, can't defeat us. Because the reality is, is Paul says it this way, uh, uh, to, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Father. So if I'm here on this earth, I'm going to give praise and glory to God, and I'm going to win everybody I can for Jesus. And if you kill me, I'm going to be standing in the presence of the Almighty God. There is no downside. In the words of MC Hammer, you can't touch this. Do you understand? And there are moments in life where we look at that as death just being this final chapter. It's over. It's like it's defeated. No! 
No, Jesus paid the price so that there should be no fear in death, so there should be no sting. Are you saying that if someone close to you dies that you don't have grieving? No, I'm human. I grieve. I grieve the loss of that person. I grieve uh, the ability to be around that person, to interact with that person. But here's what I know. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. It's the reason why the Bible says, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. We used to sing a song in the church, soon and very soon, I am going to see the king. So either by the grave or through the rapture of the church through the air, goodbye world, goodbye. Don't weep for me when I'm gone. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, because right? Because the bottom line is, is we get this ideology that it's the end. And I want you to understand it's not the end. And I'm not saying you're going to die. But I'm saying there is no fear in death. Because I know what's on the other side. I'm just telling you, if we could see for a moment what lies on the other side, we would long for that kind of life. Without pain, without fear, without sorrow, without the struggles of our afflictions and our addictions and this fallen humanity that we struggle with, that every one of us struggle with. To see Jesus face to face, to look in his eyes, to touch his nail-scarred hands, and to hear his voice. For one day, he'll call you by name, and he'll say, Aaron, welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in, for great is your reward. In the words of Brad Paisley, I know the great theologian, when I get where I'm going, I'm going to see my grandfather and my grandmother. I, I'm going to see the lion sit down with the lamb. And the struggles of this life are going to be over. Jesus will calm the storm. And many times in our life, he'll calm it for that moment. But there's coming a time where he'll calm it permanently. And he'll say, peace, be still, all is at rest. And when he's taking the disciples through this, what I want you to understand, he knows the death that they are going to face for the gospel. And he's preparing them. And he's teaching us. And he gives them two directives. He says, basically, do not be afraid. And keep your faith. In the middle of the storm, don't be afraid. And keep your faith. You know what's interesting about that? Don't be afraid. Keep your faith. It's the exact same thing that he says to the storm. Peace. Quiet. Don't be afraid. And be still. Be solid. Be steadfast. Go back to the way in which you're supposed to go. Winds and waves stop. Peace. Be still. To the disciples, he says, he says, don't be afraid. Why? Because, because God's with you. That's the power of the gospel. You understand? That's the good news. The good news is that, is that to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
The good news is that this world is simply a dress rehearsal for eternity. The good news is that I'm going to a place where I'll never part, I'll never be stopped, and I will live with Jesus forever. And the peace of God that passes understanding will always be mine. And my struggles will be over. But from now until then, I know that he's in control. I know he's in the stern of the boat. And it may feel like he's sleeping. But I'm telling you, in the right moment, in the right time, he will stand up. And he will speak to the situation. And he will speak to the storm. And he will quiet it. And in that moment, he'll speak the words, peace, be still. And the peace of God will reign. And he will meet you right where you are. I want to pray for you today at the Germantown campus and at the West campus. And I want to end this service this way because here's, how, here's what I know. We're dealing with issues. All of us. And I'm not going to pray that God's going to stop the storm because he has a purpose for the storm. What I'm going to do is pray that God will give you peace, that you're not afraid in the storm because that's more, more than anything. And that you keep the faith. That you don't walk away. That you don't give up. I'm telling you, I think the most spiritual thing we can do is just don't give up. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Don't become weary in well-doing. For in due season, if you don't give up, you'll have a reward. I know today's message is a bit heavy. But it's something we need to hear. I believe God's a good God. I believe he does great things. I believe he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can think or ask. I, I'm, a, I'm a very much an optimist. I, 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 just, I, I just think that he owns a cattle of a thousand hills and, and nothing is too big for him. But I also know that there are times where he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. But as David said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, you, they comfort me. And that's what God wants us to learn is in the middle of the storms not to be afraid. In the middle of the storms, to keep the faith. That's when the faith is tested. And to come out on the other side victorious. So if you're here today, whether at the Germantown campus or at the West campus, I'm going to ask you to do something at both places very brave. I'm going to ask you, if you're going through a storm and you like prayer, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to stand up. And here at the Germantown campus, if you want prayer and you go, that's me, I just right now, I just want you to stand up. I know this is bold. Thank you. And if you're at the West Campus, do the same thing. Just stand up right where you are. Thank you. The West Campus, thank you. We all dealing with stuff. Maybe you've been to a church and you're like, wow, this is really interactive. I've never been to a church like this before. Well, welcome to Life Church. Anybody else? I don't want to rush this. Because you're hurting. You know, the storm's raging on the inside. And you like for it to stop, but maybe it's going to go a little longer. Maybe you just need some spiritual saltines and seven up. I don't know, but you just got to hang on. But God's going to give you strength. Here's what I want to do at the West Campus, at the Germantown Campus. If you see someone standing, I'd like for you to go to somebody. I don't want you to say anything to them, but I want you to move from your seat. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a guy, go to a guy. If you're a lady, go to a lady. And just put your hand on their shoulder so that no one is by themselves. So just take a minute, even at the West Campus, to do this. Let's just take a moment here at the Germantown Campus. Let's just go. You don't have to say anything to anybody. You don't have to tell anybody anything. It's just sometimes when you're in the middle of the boat, you just need to know you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Just want to make sure everybody has somebody. Everybody has somebody. I, I need a, a lady right down here up front. If I could have some, a lady to come and pray. Just right where you are. Just move from where you are and just help us right here. Amen. Amen. 
And at the West Campus, the same way, just move around. Here's what we're going to do. Let's just, let's just pray. If you have your hand on somebody, I just want you to pray for them. Don't ask me any questions, just pray for them. And those of you that are standing that are in need of this, just allow us to pray for you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are as close as a mention of your name, that you're not asleep, but that you're very much there. And Lord, you know the storms, God, that are represented, God, today. Lord, you know what's going on in the hearts and lives of men and women today. God, you see what's happening. And I just simply pray, Lord, that you would have your will and your way. God, if, if the storm needs to come to an end, then I pray you speak, peace be still. But Lord, I, I ask that your will be done because, Lord, there are times where you direct us and there's times where you lead us and, and, and we just need strength in the storm. And, and so I'm gonna pray, Lord, what, what you said to the disciples. And that is, don't be afraid. Help them, Lord, those that are standing right now. I just pray for the peace of God that passes understanding would be theirs. And that there wouldn't be fear, that there wouldn't be uh, a doubt, that there wouldn't be all of this, but there's just the peace of God in the middle of the storm would be theirs. That you would flood their hearts, Lord. God, we link our faith together. Lord, Matthew 18 and 19 says, we're two or more gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst of them. And if we ask anything according to your will and your word, it'll be done for us by the Father in heaven. This is what you told the disciples. We're asking that you give peace right now and that you take away fear right now. We know that fear doesn't come from you in the name of Jesus. And the second thing, Lord, we ask is that they keep the faith, that they don't become weary in well-doing, that you'll give them strength, God, not to quit, not to walk away, not to give up, not to be defeated, that, Lord, not, not, not to allow the winds and the waves to overtake them because it won't. It won't. You will show up. You will silence the storm. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just minister God, your strength to every single person today. God, that they would keep the faith. God, that they would keep their eyes on you. God, that they would call out to you. That they would know that you hear them when, you, when they cry. And God, that you will meet the, meet the need. God, that you will speak to the storm and do what we don't have the ability to do. I pray, God, for all of us as a church that you'll help us to weather these storms to develop the character, the perseverance, the tenacity, the growth, the spiritual maturation that you desire to do in our lives. And I pray, help us, oh God, even when we feel like we're dying, even when we feel like we're about to give in, God, even when we feel like it's about to take us over, God, that in a spiritual sense, or that we would just take that wet washcloth, we would take that seven up and take that saltine and just hang on and not give up, not give in, but allow you, oh God, to do what only you can do. And I thank you for meeting us today. I thank you for your peace today. I thank you, God, for strength today. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.